What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, happy new year. 2019, we made it. Year four of the pod, dog. Let's go. Crazy that we're going on year four of this. Dave, I wanted to ask you before we jumped in, because we're going to be talking about a lot of movies, a lot of a lot of really good movies today. We're doing our top 10 list. We're also going to talk about a couple that we've seen since we... Uh, last did a movie review do you have any new year's resolutions for the pod for yourself anything that you want to throw out there to the people that we can then tell you didn't do (laughs) i've had this resolution the past two or three years i'm like i'm gonna just bang out one of these like golden age shows i never watched i've never seen mad men i've never seen the wire i need to just start one of these shows so i don't just start it i'm gonna just keep watching everything that's new instead so I, I hope to do that, but I feel like I need to finish Americans first, so don't hold me to it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot, of, a lot of time in the next couple of weeks, so maybe you can at least get like one season of those shows under your belt. So uh, a place to start. My resolution is to hopefully uh, double our followers this year on YouTube, on all the different platforms, and you can go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod and find any way that you want to listen to the pods. We'd appreciate most a YouTube subscription and a reading and review on iTunes. Give us your feedback. Let us know how to improve. Why don't we jump in with a movie that dropped very recently. I believe it was December 28th this dropped. Bandersnatch, Black Mirror, Choose Your Own Adventure Movie. Interesting concept. I was a little disappointed when I first pulled up my Roku. I wasn't able to watch it because it wasn't supported on that that platform. So I had it to my Xbox 360. <laughs> you you have an Xbox. Xbox you have an Xbox One, one. now. Come on. Yeah, Xbox One. Jeez, I I don't use it that much, so that's why I, I totally butchered the name, but uh, or named the wrong one. This was, I think, more of an interesting concept than an actual like good movie but i'm wondering like i know you watched it very recently what was your takeaway yeah i'm in the same boat there there's a funny thr feature about how netflix had to invest in their architecture and designing like the ability to have this choose your own adventure multiple paths style of movie of episode right and i think that's it's a really interesting premise and i think you know going in before we even knew that was the case feature length black mirror in theory sounds fine you know why not but I actually found that the uh, like diversion paths, I guess because they service the story, it like quote like makes sense. But I found it more distracting and like unnecessary, almost gimmicky than like a real like benefit. Like I wasn't like excited to pick and go back and see everything. It's kind of exhausting, you know. I'd just rather have it be a tight Black Mirror story, you know. And like I think this one was so meta that it almost didn't fe- really feel like Black Mirror as much from what we come to expect, and maybe the changing what that means is going to be a good thing we know season five is coming but yeah it felt a little a little obtuse to me what'd you think yeah no i completely agree i actually found myself found myself getting kind of confused at points because basically if you made the choice that they didn't want you to make they'd make you go back and make the choice that you're supposed to make anyway a lot of times i things would happen and then it would be like oh would you rather go do this like would you rather go get the retrieve the bunny from father or something like that or whatever that like the the meme was of that and I was just like, man, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> hey, do do I really want to go do this? Like, I, I made the choice I wanted to make, and now I have to go make the other one anyway. Like, just just write the story you want to tell and tell it to me. Right. I stopped picking them. I just let him pick whatever was random because I read that that uh, 
actually is probably just the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, it and apparently there were three different outcomes for this, and I'm not sure which one you got. The I guess this light spoiler. I chose the one where he uh, chose to go with his mom in the end, and so the whole story kind of is like based on this like idea you can go back in these timelines and make these choices that then will change other things. It's quite complicated, I think, the story in, in a lot of, on a lot of levels, especially just because when you are going back and then moving forward in so many different ways that you kind of lose track of it. There's another ending where it's almost, it's incredibly meta where you can, like, you realize you're a character who's being controlled by Netflix and, like, the star of this, like, thing, and then another one where he gets five stars in the yeah. game. So, like, there's, spoiler for anyone who's listening to this and hasn't gotten all three, but you can go online and read that anywhere this point uh, i didn't find any of those outcomes really that satisfying and i found the story just very choppy and just disjointed and like you said before it it's a interesting concept they put a lot of work into it but it really wasn't very gratifying in any way yeah and fion whitehead who we last saw in dunkirk kind of doing a similar dunkirk thing where he's just kind of being like a meek, <laughs> uh reserved yeah. character right to start shout out his agents for getting him another high profile look right 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 away at good and i like will poulter <laughs> a lot he's in a lot of stuff he, yeah. was, he was good but yeah I, I i think this could have been trimmed down and shorter than 90 minutes if you didn't if you just did one path or or even if you want to do multiple endings just like have it be like fixed you know it's like like movie one movie two or something mm-hmm. right like it's like here you could pick an act and just let it play i don't know it's just it uh i don't know i, I found it i found it pretty disappointing to be honest but I think that's, you know, I don't hold it against them. Black Mirror, which we said last year when we reviewed season four, check that out mm-hmm. on YouTube. It's a show that has a lot of challenges because it's an anthology that has to rebuild its world every yep. single time. So it's a very ambitious show, and I really I really like it. But not everything can totally land. That's just the nature of an anthology. So uh, nothing to worry about, really. Uh, and we have the new season probably coming this year. We know they've already filmed it, so uh, that's exciting at the end of the day. And I know a lot of people like this one, so it was a nice event move, honestly. December 28th, not a lot of stuff comes out at that time, especially mm-hmm. on streaming. So I guess it was like similar to like the Cloverfield Paradox. Netflix liked to just eventize stuff and grab moments, and that's kind of what they did with this. I wonder if Netflix really cares about having this technology used again that they made to accommodate this, because, I mean, creators would have to want to make a, a build-your-own-adventure thing, right? So... I don't know how how often is that going to come about, right? Are we ever going to see this? Yeah, movie? I I was wondering that. Like, is this going to be something that it, there's more of? I have to imagine if they're testing this now, they must have some sort of idea of making something like this. It just seems like so complex. Um, you know, I, it would be really be really interesting if it if they narrowed the choices down but made the choices a lot more meaningful like if you really got to like a fork in the road you make a choice and then it goes down to like one of three outcomes like and one of the three choices you make will lead you that way like that that's cool and that would make me want to like go back and rewatch the movies but when it's like choice after choice after choice and a lot of times those choices don't actually matter in terms of how you're moving forward mm. that's not really so <laughs> great I was, uh, you know, I saw a conversation. People were saying, "Is this more a video game or a movie?" Um, what, what, are you, what do you think about that? It's still, definitely a movie, but it is gamified, sure. And I saw some black people saying, "Like, is this the future of of TV?" Blah, There's blah. No, like, way no, the no, it's of not. TV. It's it, it it's happened right. once. <laughs> like, come yeah, on. and I, I would say that it, if you you can say it's a success only in terms of it drew a lot of attention. 
and it did receive a lot of praise a lot of people liked it but i think the execution and, and just the story overall lacked and they would need to rethink this and really develop better storylines for the different outcomes if they really wanted to make this something that stuck so uh, we won't belabor it too much. Go check it out. Leave us your thoughts. T- uh, tell us if you liked it or if you didn't like the concept. Something that has also gotten very mixed reviews was Adam McKay's Vice, which dropped prior to Christmas. And I think the one thing we can say for certain and probably don't need to harp on it too much only because it's being said everywhere. He's already been nominated for a Golden Globe. Christian Bale is incredible as Dick Cheney in this movie. Like His performance is similar to Gary Oldman last year as Churchill just he he embodies this person to a T. Is the movie good though? You know, that that's the question I think people are sitting with is Adam McKay made the big short, it was great. Step Brothers, I mean, he's he's a very accomplished movie maker at this point, former SNL writer. I don't know if this movie's good, man. It, it's it's kind of disjointed, similar to Bandersnatch. I found myself kind of like feeling like things were choppy, it didn't really flow all that great at points. But I also left like thinking about it more than most movies that I saw this year. And I was like, Adam McKay, he, he didn't make a bad movie, but is this a good movie? I think it is. I liked it. But you're right. It is very polarizing. And I think a lot of the criticism is not about what you just said about it being choppy and tonally jumbled and stuff like that. Right? Those are fair criticisms and observations. But I saw a lot of people harping on it's like, it lionizes Dick Cheney. It doesn't have enough punch. Terrible time to have this. Who is this for? I didn't understand any of that. It's like, I, I, I watched this movie and I hated Dick Cheney. How could anyone see anything other than that? I, I just didn't understand that. And I just thought it was really like partisan like takes, you know? And it's like, yes, it's very on the nose it, by design, right? It, it's very partisan. It's very, it, it's very in your face about how it feels about the subject. So is Black Klansman. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> another movie I like. So, like, I, I could not stop making that connection in my head. Like, I don't, well, what is the difference? You know, like, Black Klansman gets very in your face in, at the end. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. But Vice, I liked it because I thought the, it was unconventional to a T. And I thought the seeing that in a biopic on its own is nice because a lot of biopics are quite formulaic, quite uh, predictable, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, this is like the, the great man, right? The, the, right? the famous, powerful mover and shaker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did it differently. And, you know, there were things I didn't like, but I thought some of the visual uh, cues were, like, really on the nose and maybe didn't add them a lot. Like, sometimes uh, it's like, he got the boot, and then we see boots on the ground. I was like, all right. Didn't need that one. That's okay. Yeah. But like the absurdist dinner scene when Alfred Molina is the waiter, I yeah. love that. I that love was that. awesome. Yep. So I, I think I just liked it. Uh, even if it doesn't totally work, perhaps, I thought it was such, such a cool, refreshing uh, swing in terms of how you want to construct a film that I really liked it. You know, the thing I think that's interesting, because he, McKay is taking Dick Cheney, who he even alludes to it in the beginning, like... He's known to be a very private and, and a person who's shrouded right. in a lot of secrecy, although he's had this enormous impact on American politics and especially in the last 20 years has been probably one of the most, uh, depending how you look at it, either uh, fighters for power in for the president or uh, destroyers yes. of democracy, modern democracy. Unitary executive. Yes. And he's, he's, he's making a lot of leaps here. I mean, like, the scene where at the end where he's giving his other daughter permission to go on TV and uh, basically say that 
she doesn't agree with gay marriage to, and to like basically ostracize his, his daughter Mary. We don't know if that happened, but that's McKay's uh, portrayal of what he thinks happened in that event. McKay's filling in a lot of the gaps here for the viewer, and I think he he's trying to obviously get a point across. So I don't I, like you said. I think I think your point is good that Black Klansman in this. I I don't. If you can accept one, you should be able to accept the other. I think of the piece that i'm i'm left with and going back to my criticism and like you said some of the on the nose stuff like the ending where he broke the fourth wall and was talking to the the viewer or like the alternate uh reality where dick cheney decided not to go back into politics and you know live a life of privacy and supporting his daughters and his wife like all that stuff i found very like schmarmy just kind of like what sure. why is this happening <laughs> like we we didn't need this to get the point across you did that effectively in all the other scenes like you said that alfred molina scene is like one of the most effective ones just to be like, wow, these people are just huge pieces of shit who don't care about anybody but themselves. And mm-hmm. they're very grotesque in how little yeah. they care about others. I do think there was a lot of strengths to this and that the performances of what I come back to, we are, I already mentioned Bale, but I thought Steve Carell as Rumsfeld yeah. was electric. Rummy. Yeah. Every time <laughs> he came on the screen, I just got this big smile because he was just having a great time. Amy Adams, I thought was very strong and Rockwell and, and uh, oh, Bale together so. were phenomenal. Like their chemistry Rockwell is perfect. Yeah, Bush, like, unbelievable. I, I'd, I'd never seen a better impression than that of Bush. Yeah, and we've got a lot too. You know, like we had the Josh Brolin W movie. We had yeah. stuff on SNL. I think that's the best George W. Bush we've ever had. Definitely, uh, maybe besides of uh, like Frank Caliendo, I guess. But like, I, yeah, I thought Rockwell was good. And you know, shout out Carell again, just because. <laughs> I didn't think he was that good and beautiful boy. I thought he he was trying too hard, and he just had a big L with Welcome <laughs> to Marwin. So it's nice to remind everyone that he does have strengths as a actor when when he's pseudo serious. It just needs to be the right role, and I thought he was well cast as Rumsfeld. And I was skeptical going in; I wasn't sure how that would go, but he was really good. Do you think this gets any uh, other than Bale any nominations for performances? It's tight. I don't think any other performances. Maybe they Amy love Adams. Amy Adams at the Oscars, yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised. But she, this is kind of a similar performance to what she's done before, like the Master, mm-hmm. really pretty easy analog there. Yeah. But you know, those races are pretty tight. I think Bale's a lock, obviously. But we, we mentioned, you know, the the screenplay and its unconventionalness that might hurt it in terms of getting a, a screenplay nomination because that is a tight category. I still think it'll get in there for Best Picture. It's, but then it's tough. You, we can't use the Globes as predictor for this. But I, I think it'll get in there. It's, they can have up to 10. But McKay probably won't get in for Best Director. It's way too way too complicated right now. So way too tight. Yeah. But the reaction is, it really has surprised me. I have to say, I did not expect this. Because there's so much fervor. People like ascertaining that the movie is horrible. And like <laughs> one star. And the worst movie trying to be good ever. Like I there's a lot of hyperbole around the film and it's i don't know i don't i think it's this takey to be takey well and i think it's also just it embodies the current climate and politics that it's there's very little middle ground of anything right now it's all very polarized so gonna be interesting to see how that plays out with uh the awards nominations coming up later in the month and we'll be talking about that so hit that subscribe button a movie i'm almost certain will be getting a best picture nomination and most likely also a best director nomination is Yorgos Lanthimos, the favorite. We reviewed The Lobster before, and I was pretty... I, I think we did, at least. We might have, at least we talked about it on the year-end list, I think, for what, 2016? That was 20... Yeah, 2016. 15, and then Killing of Sacred Deer was last year. Gotcha. And 
I was not a big fan of the lobster. I found it to be a very strange, weird, and just kind of like off-putting story. Uh, Colin Farrell, I thought, was good in that movie, but in a lot of the, the shots were beautiful. Um, but I just kind of found myself being very underwhelmed and just confused uh, leaving it. But the favorite, for all the things that the lobster left me with, I thought that the story in this was told succinctly and very straightforward and in a very creative way kind of following these two women and their tug of war with queen anne but then also the performances that uh, lanthimos gets out of rachel weiss and emma stone is just unbelievable like those two are like a kobe and lebron going at each other like <laughs> it was like that level yeah. of performance back sure. and forth I-, I know that you really like this movie what-, what did you enjoy the most about it yeah it's been cool seeing yorgos evolve because like he's a relatively young director he's like i think 44 45 and I haven't seen Dogtooth, but that was his uh, 09 film, Best Foreign Film nomination. That was like his real breakout. Uh, then Lobster was his first English movie. And I, th- I actually like Killing Sacred Deer quite a bit. But, you know, it, it was, like The Lobster, very absurdist. You know, it, it's very conceptual and unconventional, but it's to his flair, right? And sometimes the movies don't totally work, but he's certainly trying shit, right? I think The Favor is really interesting because... He didn't write this script, and I think that shows because you can just let him have his touch with, with, with the camera and the filmmaking and let someone else ground it just enough, you know, that it's not too out there, and I think it really, really benefits him. He's still, his flair obviously is there because there's still, like, crazy shit that's, like, you'd only see in his movie, like, at the beginning with those uh, geese racing yeah. or ducks the, racing the ducks in the palace. Racing, yeah. Or um, the scenes when they were shooting pigeons right outside, and then like when that when they were throwing tomatoes at that James Corden lookalike guy. Like there's scenes like that that like feel right at home in a Yorgos movie, right? <laughs> yeah. so like I didn't I didn't feel like he sacrificed anything, and the whole movie's like shot in like a wide angle lens like the whole time, so it almost has like that fishbowl like we're in corridors the whole time and mm-hmm. lots of close-ups on people's faces so it still felt like one of his movies but yeah you, you already nailed it i the, the key to this movie the reason it's so good is the three performances are so dynamite you yeah. know olivia coleman has really quickly risen like to top top tier status and i think this is she's joined the crown at the perfect time you mm-hmm. know like as her star keeps rising because she's been in other movies before with uh, Yorgos and elsewhere, but I think this is obviously her biggest look. Mm-hmm. And Stone and Wise, like you said, yeah, they're just going back. And I think what's cool about the film, why I like the film so much, is it's structured in such a way that you're, you're rooting for Emma Stone in the beginning, and then you're rooting against her by the end. Mm-hmm. And like the, her, the, her character's arc really kind of accompanies the uh, journey that the audience goes on as well. So I think the movie is hilarious and also, you know, really impressive because I, I don't think... <laughs> Anyone could any, anyone could have made this. You know, this is the Yorgos joint. So uh, I really like it, and I have it on my top ten list. Yeah, just a hammer at home. Shout out Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. I thought they had a great script. And yeah, I think I think you hit all the points that I thought were important, too. Yorgos has such a unique style, um, and it, it was interesting because I saw Beale Street a couple of days before I saw this movie. And Barry Jenkins is also known for a lot of close-ups on, on faces, but uh, Barry Jenkins gives such a warm touch to Beale Street and uh, we'll talk about it more next week and in a lot of his movies he gives a, a warm touch or at least he uses lighting to portray more emotion but it was such a cold lighting you know and it, I felt like a lot of times when you saw Emma Stone it, was, it felt very much like she was like bare like it was like a 
very gaunt hollow person in front of you mm-hmm. rather than like the warm full feeling that barry jenkins gives you and i think that was obviously supposed to be um what what lamp most wanted to get across because uh he seemed to really be harping on showing these people who seem very lonely and very hollow in these like really huge, elegant, lavish spaces and to kind of like juxtapose um, all this wealth against like them really having little sense of self and happiness is pretty phenomenal. And you also mentioned how funny this movie is, which is, I think uh, one of the things that stood out most to me was I didn't expect to go into this and laugh as much as I did. And I've seen some people say this was the most that they laughed in the theater all year. It kind of reminded me of Death of Stalin in that way. It used a lot of that same similar type of humor to uh, really uh, just make an excellent film overall. Any last thoughts on the favorite before we wrap up? I also really liked Nicholas Holt. I yeah. thought he was on one as of that uh, minister character. I forget his name. Yeah, he was, he was really good. The movie's a lot of fun. And it's hilarious, but in an unconventional way. It's not like other comedies, obviously. So I think it's a really special one. And, I'm, you know, it's been decent box office for a specialty film like this. But, uh, you know, it could be seen by more people. So I hope more people give it a chance as the awards continue to rain in for it and the buzz keeps growing. Do we know what Yorgos' next project is? Don't think we do. Yeah. But he's been moving pretty quick. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised to hear something soon. I could see him getting, like, a much bigger film moving forward something a bigger project for himself uh, and i hope he does finishing up our reviews for today though with probably my favorite of the four we've talked about spider-man into the spider-verse by bob persichetti peter ramsey and rodney rotham when i went into this i was like man we've had what seven spider-man movies in the last 16 years because the first spider-man toby Maguire was 2002 and tom holland's was the sixth one came out last year and yep that's right i was like after homecoming i thought that was pretty good we don't need spider-man animated film like we just don't need this right now so i was i was very reluctant to go see it and then i just kept seeing on twitter and on review sites i just kept seeing people saying wow this movie is really really wonderful there's so much to love about this movie like the animation's great and i was like ah okay i'll go check this out and I was fucking blown away by this movie. Um, not only do I think it has probably the best vo- like voice cast that I can remember in recent history. Um, I mean, we'll get to that in a second. But I think the story for being something that didn't make total sense was still told in a way that you didn't really care. You just were kind of along for the ride. And it had so many different points of happiness, sadness, excitement, thrill. It was thrilling at points. Like I was just blown away by how effectively they did this. And then the after credit scene to kind of wrap things up and be bringing Oscar Isaac in for probably the <laughs> sequel. Dude, I couldn't be more hyped for what the Spider-Verse could be moving forward. Did you like this movie as much as I did, though? Yeah, I thought it, oh God, it was such a refreshing film. And like you said, very unexpected. I, too, was not jazzed about this movie existing. I was like, we don't need this. The DC animated movies are pretty successful and done pretty well but they don't release those in theaters i was like you're you're awfully confident sony to put out an animated spider-man movie right after you put out venom and after you've let loaned spider-man to marvel i was like it was a weird move but it worked i I mean another win for phil lord lord from lord and miller fame right uh he co-wrote the screenplay and i think 
screenplay is really smart, really snappy. Miles Morales immediately feels like a real character, real fleshed out character, like he is in the comics. Mm-hmm. And it was a real origin story that was not grating and tiresome the way a lot of them are, the way because we've seen so many, it was different. Mm-hmm. The arc Miles goes on when he finally becomes fully becomes spider-man right and like when he does that big dive in the city like you know the music really accompanies that well so i think that 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 whole arc the whole you know basic framework of the movie i think is really well done and as as you mentioned it's been effective for a lot of people a lot of people really are uh, engaged with the film and touched by it um and then it has tons of tons of great moments once they really once the movie really expands obviously when all the when the spider-verse other spider-mans come in right but even before that happens before the movie gets like you know bigger and wider i thought it was was doing really well i thought um brian tyree henry again having a a banner year uh really nailed it as the dad and uh you know sold that as a a relationship and then they the way they set up uh, mahershala as uh his uh uncle aaron right the prowler uh and then the way they reveal that uh, I thought that worked amazingly. Mm-hmm. So, God, I, I was really blown away and, again, so surprised by its success. And it's made over $100 million uh, already domestically, so it's doing well. They already greenlit a sequel. You know, just another win for Shamik Moore, who's the voice of Miles. I li- really liked him in Dope, and then he was on The Get Down, which didn't last very long, so nice to see him back. But, yeah, I think the whole voice cast was good. And you mentioned the animation. The movie's beautiful and stark in a... Oh, such a way with the colors that we haven't seen in other animated movies this year. So really refreshing, and I think it's the second best superhero movie of the year after Black Panther, in my opinion. Wow. Uh, so you, you put it above Incredibles, then, as your favorite animated superhero movie of the year. You know, I was actually thinking of Incredibles. It's weird, because I think Incredibles 2 is a much more conventional action film, mm-hmm. but Spider-Man actually gets to use the comic book feel and touch as a strength and usually that's a very bad thing when you try and make a comic book feel on on film but it actually worked this time and i think partially because it's animated that helps but you know it's i'd like to see incredibles 2 again because i really like that when i saw that too tough it's a tough competition but it was a good year for it yeah it's gonna be crazy because i think pixar almost always wins the best animated movie category and incredibles would seem to be the one that they would probably be putting up there this year i think spider-verse has a real chance to overtake it not only because the story and and the different beats of it being refreshing but the animation is so different than almost anything we've seen um and i think it you know it has a very comic booky type of animation to it in a way um and it, it kind of like slows down the animation at points to like highlight parts of the action or like things going right. on like the spidey sense like part i thought they did really well and, and effectively or like when they're having the, in the final fight scene they're you know peter porker would would jump in <laughs> sometimes and then that would be a completely different animation with miles and then there was the anime uh one and then the noir the spider-man uh, i just thought it was really delightful it's funny because it I think I like this more than Black Panther, if only because while, you know, this did have that like third act, like big fight scene, I felt like the way that, that they kind of put it together and what is centered around seemed to be a little bit more, I don't know if grounded is the right word to say, because it's certainly not grounded. <laughs> I mean, it's no. like a bunch <laughs> of like, uh, it's a, a pig fighting with, uh, with all these different types of Spider-Men, but it just feels so much more, I don't know less maybe like less paint by the numbers so to speak like it was like in black panther it was 
that was a refreshing superhero movie for all the for how different it was from the other ones but then the third act is very conventional you know it's a bunch of things fighting against each other and uh, you know big rhinos and whatnot it comes down to black panther versus killmonger but mm-hmm. then in this it, i mean it, it kind of came down to miles just finding himself and i think that that's probably what i liked most about the story was it was about all these different superheroes being true to them and, and finding their inner strength being able to take that leap you know to steal the line from the movie that leap of faith i think that that's different from a lot of what the other superhero movies have, have done even black panther kind of came down to just black panther being able to outsmart killmonger in that final fight scene I, it's going to be higher than black panther in my top 10 in the second here and we'll talk about that just quickly before we, we move off it i mean this like i mentioned the voice cast uh, you mentioned shmeek Moore, but Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Mahershala Ali, Nick Cage, John Mulaney, Lily Tomlin, Zoe Kravitz had like, what, two lines? Like (laughs) Chris Pine had like seven (laughs) line readings stacked. Which one other than Brian Tyree Henry and Shmeek Moore did you like the most? I really like Chris Pine for for his brief moments, but I think the best was Nick Cage. I thought Spider-Man Noir fucking ruled and was perfectly used. Yeah, so it was fantastic, and the whole Rubik's Cube thing was freaking hilarious. <laughs> like, This is blue, right? <laughs> <laughs> so good. I, I like John Mulaney. Uh, also, I, I saw a video of him uh, doing the noise, of, like the sound effects oh, for Peter Porker. It was it's freaking so fun to watch. It's if you like haven't a, seen it, just search for it on Twitter. Bradley Cooper doing Rocket Raccoon oh, is yeah. the same thing. It's the coolest shit to watch. <laughs> Definitely. If you haven't seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I really can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, probably my biggest surprise of the year in terms of um, where I went into it and how much I liked it coming out. All right, 2018 was a hell of a year for movies, dude. Like, narrowing this list down to 10 was very hard. And even now I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I could have this one a little bit higher. If I don't know what I'd move down. Why don't we start with 10? Uh, we'll alternate, and uh, then we can... We can talk a little bit about maybe movies that were left off our list for one reason or another you want to start yes yes i agree it was tough to make this list i've seen 94 movies this year (laughs) and i also have a lot more on my list still haven't seen beale street yet unfortunately we'll talk about that next Mm -hmm. week so i do reserve the right to add beale street to this list if i deem necessary i also haven't seen cold war or Destroyer, or Stan and Ali yet, they're just not playing by me. Mm-hmm. And I also want to see Shoplifters and Caparnum, and I also want to see The Rider, which I missed earlier this year, and Support the Girls as well. Yeah. So plenty of things I still got to watch, but I think I saw enough to have an informed opinion. <laughs> so number uh, number 10 for me is A Star is Born. Ah. Is that on your list? Yeah, I had that number two. It's funny. I had it at very high when I first watched it, and then I was just kind of trying to piece together the list more. And I started pegging it down uh, just because I think the movie slows a bit after the first hour or so, right? The first hour is so amazing and so thrilling and, like, edge of your seat, right? And then I think it changes. And I still really like the movie, and I really endorse it. And I uh, honestly think it probably should win Best Picture. You know, it's that aroma. Uh, I think Roma's a better film, but I think Star is Born probably means more to win. Uh, for the state of uh, Hollywood these days. But yeah, I have it at 10. You know, I really liked uh, most things about it, but I just think because the movie ultimately is a conventional mainstream music movie, mm-hmm. uh, I pegged it down for that. You know, I have other stuff on. Like I mentioned, The Favorite is already on my list. I put The Favorite just ahead of this because I 
I, I gave points for being different and uh, you know unconventional. But A Star Is Born is frankly just an undeniable movie, so yeah. I had to keep it on here. Yeah, that was the reason I put it up so high. Was I, what I gave a lot of credence to in my list was what, how did I feel during the movie after leaving the movie, and A Star Is Born is probably uh, other than my my number one, which I didn't see in the theaters. So this is my number one movie I saw in the theater. Um, it's the best movie going experience I had of the year. Um, it was enthralling. Uh, it was tear jerking. I do agree that the second, uh, it's basically two different movies. The first hour is yeah. this like thrilling, like rise to fame. And the second hour is this real relationship, like deep dive in, into this person who is very broken and how he deals with, uh, seeing his partner skyrocket and, and move in a different direction than him. And, uh, I think both, both those hours are effective in different ways and I don't really knock it for being a little bit slower in the second half. I know a lot of people do. And <laughs> I've heard some people be like, I just wanted Jackson Maine just to die already. It's like, damn, like, <laughs> 2018's really made some people cold hearted, man. Um, but yeah, I think overall this movie is just, uh, it's so enjoyable. And I agree. I think it probably should win best picture. Um, if you haven't seen it or if you haven't watched it again please please go do that wow. yeah I, I, seen it. I don't know who has it. it's still in theaters i think like yeah it's uh it'll have been in theaters for like three months as of this weekend crazy so, crazy. Uh, it basically caught up to venom domestically and venom opened the same exact weekend and made like four, over 40 million more dollars but it narrowed the gap <laughs> yeah. just by you know having really good uh you know returns and uh didn't drop as much so Quite the, uh, and um, they'll they'll probably push it back up too, uh, mm-hmm. right before the Oscars. So, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, it was funny because that was a movie when we first saw the trailer. Everyone's like, "This could be really great, or this could be really bad." It's not really bad. <laughs> no, it's definitely not bad. Uh, something that also had probably one of the best trailers I can remember, and you know, uh, Jordan Peele recently dropped the Us trailer, which I've watched like seven or eight times, just because it's I just love the way that they use the the music in that with all the different scenes. Just really well done trailer. But the Black Panther trailer was probably the best trailer I had seen uh, up to the Us trailer. And Black Panther is my number 10 movie of the year. Um, this, kind of similar to A Star is Born, was a cultural event. And I actually rewatched it recently. I got a chance to just put it on while I was doing Netflix some other work. Netflix now. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's still a really great movie and it holds up. Um, I did find myself being a little bit like um, frustrated with how little uh women women's voices were really uh accepted in the beginning of it i think i felt i felt very frustrated by that even though at the end that's kind of the point that like we need to listen to everybody and like become more collaborative um i thought the performances in this were great and michael b jordan especially jumps off the screen and probably is the best marvel villain up to this point i think definitely is some people would say loki thanos some people say thanos which just annoys me (laughs) Because like I like Thanos, he's effective in Infinity War, but there's so much nuance and writing done to the benefit of Killmonger. Yeah, I and gotta, you just don't get that in any of the other Marvel movies. He's just different. I gotta say, Thanos. I actually got to rewatch Infinity War with Julianne recently, and uh, Thanos he goes from like taking a long time to collect one Infinity Stone, and then within like four, four hours, he's like, "Oh, the gauntlet is complete, dog. Like I'm ready." Mm. To- kill you all it's kind of crazy how fast that moved um but yeah black panther just a phenomenal movie where did it rank on your list uh it's not in my top 10 i have it like 15 16 or so but i do have it ahead of infinity war Mm spider-verse etc 
I think it's uh, the re- a lot, I saw a lot of people recently saying they like Spider Verse more, and I think the reason Black Panther's still better is because Black Panther has more. I think more to it. There's more going on. It's like more of an achievement in um in film. And I think Spider Verse, if Spider Verse was as good as it was and not animated, I would give it more points. But I think it gets away with things because it's an animated film, which is not bad. It's not an issue. But I think Black Panther uh, sets a higher bar for itself and also meets that bar, you know, in terms of uh, what it does, says about race. Like, I think this movie treats race better than Green Book does, you know? Oh, definitely. So, <laughs> uh, like, Spider-Verse doesn't really have that ambition. It's just a really fun time, you know? So it depends what you want. Sure. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. What would be your number nine movie for the year? My number nine movie we just talked about is The Favorite by Yorgos Lanthimos. Check out our review. That's at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> or if you're watching The Breakout. Absurdist. Fun. Unlike any other comedy of the year. Uh, still has really cool directing despite not being written by Yorgos. And three dynamite performances. Fucking lovely movie. Yeah, I, I had it at number five on my list. Uh, go back and check out the review. Uh, number nine for me was Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham. Uh, we reviewed this earlier in the year. Um, I don't want to belabor it too much, but I, I, what Bo Burnham was able to do with this film is basically recreate all the anxiety, awkwardness, and tension of being an eighth grader and wanting to be taken more seriously and wanting to be accepted and fit in while also not knowing who you are and not knowing how to do any of these things and being terrified of putting yourself out there. Um, yeah, Chris Ryan of The Ringer uh, said that he thinks it's the uh, best horror movie of 2018. And I think that's actually a really f- a great description of it because it really, you are sitting with your stomach just in knots watching some of the things happen uh, throughout the film. Really great performances. And I, I think this, if if you can sit through it and deal with the awkwardness, um, you know, like that pool scene is something you're not going to forget. Like it's, yeah. there are moments in this that really stand out and, <laughs> Just a phenomenal film and another surprise for me. I didn't expect to enjoy this one as much as I did. Uh, so number eight, moving forward for you. Because I know you didn't have number eight, eighth grade. Yeah, at eighth grade, like high 30s. But again, I, I liked it. I thought it was good, but I just didn't connect with it as much. Uh, but I still agree with everything you said. Um, number eight is Widows, a movie we also reviewed pretty recently. Do you have that one? That was that was the hardest one for me to leave off. I I had it going back in and out of my top 10, but I felt like I had to have Black Panther ahead of it. Um, but Widows, yes, I had that at 11. Fantastic film. Right, right, right. Yeah, Widows, uh, again, we check out a review. We talked about it at length, but Steve McQueen doing a genre film, following up 12 Years a Slave, winning Best Director, and then uh, having Widows be a heist movie that's not about the heist the heist does not matter it's about the characters and the dynamics that they have when they're thrust into uh difficult situations uh following the deaths of their husband uh husbands and i think the movie is nailed down by viola davis lead performance but also everywhere else you look it's always strong cynthia revo really awesome one of her first big acting roles elizabeth debicki someone we've liked for a while really great and then you see steve why steve mcqueen's such a talent when you have that scene where Colin Farrell gets in the car and goes from his, uh, you know, stump speech uh, by the projects, and he gets in a short car ride to his affluent uh, mansion the other side of Chicago, right? In like ten yeah. minutes, and the way they frame that with the camera on the hood of the car facing the windshield from the outside 
is shot amazingly, but it's also a really effective way of communicating so much about the movie and the character Colin Farrell's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the movie is one of the best action movies we've got, despite not really being an action movie, because it's about wealth and equality and gender roles and all of that, right? Like, there's just so much ambition to it. And I think some people wish there was more of the heist itself or that that was maybe strung out more. It was an issue for me because I feel like I was just appreciating what the movie was focusing on instead. But I do understand if maybe people didn't think it moved enough for them. But as a character drama, I think it's dynamite. Yeah, and it had one of the best twists of the year. I mean, I think I mentioned in our review, people in my theater yeah. were literally like falling out of their seat when Liam Neeson <laughs> came back. Uh, yeah, right. f- fantastic film. And it's probably the best heist film of the year, but it's definitely the best he- heist film of the year that centers around women. You know, we had Ocean's Eight earlier in the year. It's not Ocean's And it, yeah. it can't even compare to how good this was. Number eight for me, we reviewed this earlier in the year as well. Uh, the Old Man and the Gun by David Lowry. Ooh, nice. You know, this wasn't originally going to be... It, this was one of the ones I was thinking about moving out. But the more I thought about it, Robert Redford is just really wonderful. And he's just, like, having a great time. He gets to be incredibly charming and charismatic. Um, and it's a... I think what I really like most about this film, similar to Spider-Verse, is it's about this person and basically the human character and the human condition. And, and can people change? Can can that that thing that drives us to to do what what we love can that ever really leave us can we sacrifice that for other things that we feel like are more important in our life and uh the story is really wonderfully told you know you have a couple of other uh good supporting uh performances by sissy spacek and uh tom waits tom waits and uh affleck uh, casey affleck in this film right um as well as isn't danny glover in this as well yeah, he's glove. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So they I mean it's it's a really it's a really fun small film. I call it small just cuz the story is very small. Um yeah. it also made like 10 million dollars. Yeah. People saw it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um but I do I do hope Redford gets a uh, best actor nomination for this film yeah. cuz I think he would deserve it. it. Best actor stacked. I'm not sure if he's going to get it, but definitely deserving. I agree. I like the movie a lot. I had it at 20. Um yeah, just really enjoyable and definitely a touchstone of like the cinema of old, you know, it just kind of mm-hmm. moves like a like a movie from the, the 70s or whatever. So lo- lovely movie. And yeah, like you said, great send off for Redford if it is, in fact, his final performance. Number seven, Dave. All right. So seven is where I put my uh, put my foot down where I or I put my line in the sand, uh, my stump pick, if you will. I feel like if you're making lists you want it to be interesting, right? You want them to be like, you got to give people a reason to read it, right? Sure. And it's like, we all know the consensus best 15 films, best 10 films, right? Because the ones we talk about the most, we've talked about a few of them already, we'll talk about more of them. Um, just having a list of that, like basically just a list of everything the Oscars we're going to pick, it's good and it is probably objectively correct, but it's not always as interesting. So I had to, I picked a small movie that I've mentioned a few times I want to put on this list because I just found it super affecting to me, and I thought about it a lot, and I just really, really liked it. And that movie is called Skate Kitchen. Ah. It's about a group of female skateboarders in New York City fucking hanging out and going through the shit. And uh, Rachel Vinberg, uh, in her, like, first performance, is the lead. She's great. So, so lovely. And Jane Smith, uh, who plays, like, a supporting character, was awesome. I really liked him. (laughs) And this movie is shot in a really cool way, and 
I just really like the plot. I really connected the characters. And I said this when we did our mid-90s review, but I think this is a better film than mid-90s because it has just enough plot, but it's still very much a New York film. It feels like a New York movie, the way like Gemini feels like an L.A. movie, something we talked about earlier in the year. So yeah, I picked Skate Kitchen. It's on Hulu right now. Uh, I really, really want people to see this movie because I think it's fucking lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's one yeah. of the ones I'm... I'm hoping to get to sometime this week before I head back to work um, just because uh, it is on Hulu and you've talked about it so much, but I've also seen a lot of people mentioning this mining the gap in nineties as like uh, some of the best films of the year. So it's definitely a worthy and, and a interesting pick for your top 10. It's surprising. Although I, I've, you've mentioned it enough where I'm not like falling out of my seat with, with the take number seven for me is if Beale street could talk. Um, we're going to be reviewing it next week, so I'm not going to step on it too much, but Moonlight was such a, it was such a personal story about this person, you know, kind of going back to the themes I've been mentioning a lot of the the films is like finding themselves and finding how they can be true to themselves and the walls and and the, the defenses we build to protect ourselves. And Beale Street in so many ways is about this couple who's, uh, finds a way, like finds peace between themselves finds a way to let those guards down and then has those things ripped away from them and barry jenkins along with i, for, I didn't raise his name down, i believe it's nick nicholas perrett or pretty yes. or something like that the it's, composer yes the composer uh, make this film this film feel so warm and at the same time like the brian tyree henry 12 minute scene everybody's talking about um there's a moment in that where feels like a horror movie <laughs> for a moment it, it, they, the way that they're able to use lighting and color and costume design to create the feelings in this film the way that barry jenkins lets his shots his like his close-ups just sit on people he's in no rush to 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 steal any moment away from you it's just it, it's a masterpiece it, it, uh, of filmmaking i don't know if this is better than moonlight i don't think it is um but Barry Jenkins, just as a filmmaker, is phenomenal and probably one of my favorites at this moment in a time when we have seemingly like 10 or 10 to 15 different masters of filmmaking right now. He's at the top for me. Yeah, I'm uh, like I said, I'm reserving a spot for it. I was planning to see it for this, but I missed it, unfortunately. Uh, we'll see it this week. We'll talk about it next week, like you said. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to like it. Obviously, I love Moonlight as well. Um, I know Regina King is supposed to be great. Uh, I really like Stefan James from Homecoming. He's having a banner year. Um, so, yeah, very excited to talk about it next week. Yeah, and Diego Luna, dude. Like, he's oh, yeah. he's infectious. Like, he, he's on the screen for maybe like five minutes total, but every time you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, Diego Luna, all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six for you, Dave. Yeah, number six for me is Annihilation, uh, the oldest movie. I, or the movie I saw, the <laughs> Longest, most, not most recently, whatever. Long, yeah. I uh, saw it in February right after Black Panther. Uh, loose ab- adaptation of the Jeff Vandermeer novel, directed by Alex Garland, who did Ex Mahina, one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, it's a sci fi film that's really more about the psychology of its characters and their relationship into, to, with the world. Meanwhile, Natalie Portman also shoots a machine gun at a albino <laughs> crocodile, or al- alligator rather. Um, sci-fi film that looks amazing it sounds cool the score is phenomenal mm-hmm. that uh buzzing noise that everyone knows uh is the cool is, is probably my favorite uh like cue of the year mm-hmm. um and yeah at the end of the day it's just a really ethereal film you know and of, of course the performances are wonderful portman uh, jennifer jason lee tessa thompson 
it's, uh, it's fucking lovely. Uh, Gene Rodriguez too. Mm-hmm. So I think Annihilation is such a smart sci-fi film. It's so ambitious, and they just don't make movies like this anymore because it's more pedantic and more measured in terms of the story it's telling. But I think the end is really great, and I thought about the movie a lot. And I think we said in our review at the time. Not sure we know exactly what everything meant or was supposed to mean, but it didn't matter because it still worked because I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm really disappointed that Paramount dumped this movie. Uh, they get, they sold it to the dis- international distribution to Netflix. So you can watch it on Netflix if you're not in the U.S., so do that if you haven't seen it. Um, but they just did not promote it over here, and sure enough, no one really saw it, which is very disappointing. Uh, but I hope it has a nice life on streaming because I think it's really, really good. Yeah, it didn't make my list. It, it's number 17 for me uh, right now. But you, you make a really strong case for it. Uh, I think about that, that scene where the bear, you know, comes into the house that they're Haunting. staying at. Yeah, and it has the, the human voice coming out of it. Uh, it's just so many uh, awesome CGI and, and very creative pieces to it. Um, a, a very worthy film and uh, probably one that I'll actually revisit. I don't get to watch, rewatch a ton of movies, even though I've mentioned two today I did, and that's one I definitely want to. Uh, number six for me is actually something that we reviewed just last week in Roma. Um, now, I know Roma is achievement in film. Um, the top of my list, I really just put the movies that I had the best time in the movie theater with. Sure. In Roma, I watched at home, uh, so I know that that's, it's kind of lost in that. I think uh, we mentioned in the review, so I don't want to go over it too much, but just Roma isn't higher for me only because I think that it fell a little bit flat sometimes in terms of uh, like it, there were parts I just felt like it kind of screeched to a halt. And then there were parts where it really picked up and there was a lot going on. And uh, Karan is uh, an impeccable filmmaker, his style, his framing um, the, you know, the little, things he puts in there like having the gravity type movie in the background at the, the theater right. or um the way that the camera moves with her across the beach like all those moments are just so wonderful and it's such a, a moving film like as i uh, saw on like uh, the rewatchables facebook group or something like that someone's like no one told me about that scene from roma and i kind of thought like mm-hmm. huh there was like five or six that came to mind so i started reading through the yeah, comments what they were talking about <laughs> um but that, that's just a testament to how this movie was so wonderfully made. And, uh, yeah, check it out. It's on Netflix, so you have no excuse not to. Where did it fall for you? Roma's at number two for me. I mm-hmm. uh, agree with what you said. It's a beautiful f- film. Quaron's going to win Best Director for it, rightfully so. Uh, it's such a – every single shot, everything about the movie is so uh, confident in uh, – what do you call it? A actionable decision. Like, it, mm-hmm. Quaron th- – put everything together with this and we mentioned in the review he uh was did his own cinematography did a lot of other things he usually doesn't do when he makes his movies but he was all over this and it really shows and you know i think the autobiographical nature of the movie uh kind of directs the way the plot moves or where it doesn't move and again check the review for more on that but uh, yeah i just think the movie is just such a masterpiece that i I couldn't really bring it down anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I do agree. It, it, it's long and it's it does have slow moments. So it's not a movie that I'll probably watch in full for a long time again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe I'll go back and watch stuff, uh, moments from it, because there's a lot a, a lot to like. You, little moments or shots that you could just take away and really think about. So, yeah, a lovely film. And like you said, no excuse to not see this one. What's number five for you? 
Number five for me is, I'm pretty sure it's not on your list, is uh, First Man. No, it's not on my list. <laughs> Damien Chazelle, uh, follow-up to La La Land. Uh, we reviewed this as well, so we don't want to go over too much uh, mm-hmm. also recently. But I think the reason I have it so much, and I, I, the movie really stuck with me just because such a visceral uh, portrayal of space travel and just space cinema in general. And I really like space and I really like sci-fi, so that's something I really engaged with. Um, and it's not the most engaging movie. Ryan Gosling is giving, in by design, a clos- closeted performance. You know, mm-hmm. he's not as engaging or charismatic as he can normally be. Certainly not what he did in La La Land. Um, Claire Foy uh, is great, but she's a bit of a tough hang because she's not having a good time most of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chazelle is intentionally very claustrophobic with his camera and the way he's shooting it. But, man, I, I, I just could not g- get over uh, the way it just portrays uh, the liftoff scenes and once they're actually on the moon and stuff like that. Um, so I really like it. But I understand why some people might not like it as much because, again, it's not Apollo 13. It's no. not the right stuff. It's not like that. <laughs> no, it's it, it's a well-done film. And I, I think when we mentioned it, the way we closed out the conversation was it's a film I appreciate but I don't want to come back to. Um, and that's still kind of how I feel. It would probably fall in the – like. Uh, high 20s for me um i didn't do my list out that far i only got to 17 um number five for me was the favorite so we already talked about it what's number four for you number four for me is sorry to bother you ah that one came in uh number 15 for me speaking of good times at the theater this was (laughs) definitely right at the top for me and i also gave it a lot of points because boots riley um took went on a long ride to make this movie um really went for it this movie is unlike anything else you see this you you'll see this year and that gets a lot of points for me because it's also good and effective you know i like when you take shots and they were uh chances and they work mm-hmm. similar to the favorite right and i mean we've been lucky stanfield fans we've been tessa thompson's fans they're great that's nothing new to us but the framing of the film and the way it gets absurd mm-hmm. and the comedy of it it's just so great. Like the, the sound mix is good because of, of course the, the the voice gags we know from the trailer. Like, so there's a lot that needed to go right for this movie to work, and I think I think it really nails it. And even when it gets even crazier towards the end, once you learn more about Army Hammer's character, um, I still think the movie just is so confident that it nails it. And um, this is definitely a movie I want to revisit. I believe it's on Hulu right now, so I uh, easy to watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the movie's hilarious and smart, and it's a great comment, social commentary as well. Um, there's a lot to like, and also looks really good, you know, for a, for a uh, urban film like a movie in the cities. So definitely, uh, yeah, I really, I really want to stand for this one because I know it's a movie that people really liked at the time, but I feel like I kind of got lost in uh, awards conversation more or less. And I, I would really root for a screenplay nomination, but it probably won't happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was a, just a, a wonderful movie-going experience, and uh, the ending. I, I was laughing as you started talking about it, like, and called it absurdish, because the ending with the horse horsemen is just like so out there, but it really drives everything home, I think, really well. Um, number four for me was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You know, we, we just talked about it, so please check out the review earlier. But just to like hammer home the why it's up there for me, 
you use the word refreshing. And I think that kind of encapsulates it perfectly. Uh, a superhero movie that we haven't really seen in this done in this way. Um, one thing we didn't mention was uh, as it introduced all the different Peter Parkers and different variations of Spider-Man um, and Spider, uh, Spider-Girl, Spider-Woman, it mm-hmm. just did this like quick recap and that was it. It was like, oh, every single Spider-Man movie we've seen, it's been an hour of, oh, who is Peter Parker? How did he get here? Uncle Ben, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And now it's like, you already know this story. Like, we don't need to go into this. And that was just uh, really great. They killed off Spider-Man in, like, the first, like, what, 30, 40 minutes? uh, R.I.P. Pine. Yeah. It's just a lot of, uh, you know, he he got that Christmas Christmas album music to keep his family uh, doing well so uh, just a lot lot to love about this movie it's, it's funny it's moving it's uh really great animation please check it out number three dave what where did you have it number three for your 2018 best movie number three another movie i know you don't have is first reformed first reformed what was a movie uh, i want to let you go in on it it's a movie i i've thought about scenes a lot but it's a movie i just didn't find to be super enjoyable when i watched it moments of it were but the whole thing right yeah first reform was the first movie i saw this year where i just like sat in the theater while i was done and was just like lost in my mind for a Mm. while also the my number one was like that too so i'll restate that shortly but i thought a lot about first reform and i just think paul schrader's choices with the screenplay were so calculated and despite the fact that he really goes in ways places I didn't expect, uh, especially at the end, uh, I think I think he really nailed it with that stuff. And again, not saying I know what it all means, like Annihilation, but I thought about it a lot, and I think it it, it worked well, and it, it, didn't, it wasn't jarring to me, despite mm-hmm. being unexpected. I think that's a key point. Ethan Hawke, really great performance as Father uh, Ernst Toller, and it's a simple conceit, man. The pastor is, or minister is having a crisis of faith, but it's also very contemporary because it's about environmentalism and climate change, stuff like that, right? And then watching him be consumed by this and go down the path he goes down in the film, and then his relationship with Amanda Seyfried's character, uh, I just really connected with, and I thought it, 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 was, it worked, and the themes of morality and like the human condition are not things that are strange or unknown from Schrader films, obviously, but I thought, I don't know. I thought he really connected with it. It's funny. This movie actually set the cons con record for the highest jury score uh, in terms of just like uh, ratings. Right. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I think kind of speaks to just how like kind of like knocks your socks off when you watch a movie for the first time, because you're not really sure what you're getting into. And I do agree. It's not exactly the, the, the best hang. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, but this is a movie that I, I really enjoy. It's the only A24 movie uh, on my list this year. Uh, it's currently on Prime. So, again, I really want people to see this because even if it doesn't work for you, if you thought the metaphors uh, were maybe too strong or too heavy-handed, that's fine. But I think it's absolutely worth a watch, just to formulate an opinion. Yeah, you mentioned the, the choices Schrader makes with this. And I think how still his camera is up until the end is probably the piece of it that has stuck with me the most. You know, that final shot is so memorable and... Uh, his choice to make that like the one where you're like swiveling around is just uh, it's inspired for sure. Um, it, and first, Revo- first reformed is on uh, a lot of people's like high on people's list. It's a film that's lauded this year, and I'm sure we'll we'll be talking about as we move into the award season. Uh, shout out Ethan Hawke, good for him. Number three for me, very different movie from First Reformed, Mission Impossible Fallout. 
dun 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 um outside of a star is born this is the most fun i had in a movie theater this season and it was just uh like pure adrenaline uh you know what did i call it last like last week when you're talking about our trends it was a uh cock loading or something like that oh fist cocking um, that's what it was yeah yeah. but uh yeah cavill loading his fists uh the the uh, halo jump um you know even when they're like driving through paris and it's just so much fun to watch uh this film was just it was, a, it was a delight. There's really not much to really say that we didn't say in our review earlier in the year, so check it out. But uh, yeah, I just get a smile thinking about it. It was just a lot of fun. And for as much as these films are kind of what they are at this point, um, to be this satisfying and come away with, with this much pleasure is just a, a testament to Tom Cruise and uh, Christopher McQuarrie and um, just the whole crew. Shout out Vanessa Kirby. Uh, electric when oh, she's God. on screen and and that's the thing it's like i had this top 20 um love the movie the best action movie of the year pure action movie easily um again because if, if you're stipulating with the widows being very different obviously best pure action movie clearly fallout and you know i didn't expect to also have this revelation of a of a new actor now yeah. i'm obsessed with <laughs> but that's what happened with vanessa kirby just coming out of nowhere and again not unknown who's on the crown i know mm-hmm. but like for me i was like who the fuck is this person? She's a star, Mm -hmm. you know, she kills it. And fallout is one of those movies. I think like black Panther is kind of a test case for when we're honoring film, uh, at the Oscars or however we're doing it. Achievement in filmmaking is done multiple ways. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, the, the way they make this movie in terms of the way they shoot all these complex, uh, uh, set pieces, scenes, obvious, uh, yeah, the set pieces, obviously the cinematography is so impressive. Uh, and, and challenging to do um so that that's worth it also like you said it's so engaging and moves at such a brisk <laughs> yeah. pace that's just so fucking fun again not to be discounted but also i think tom cruise who again th- think what you want of his personal life but as an actor uh he's just so committed to being an action guy now that i all i honestly think if we can reward gary oldman and christian bale for putting on weight and wearing prosthetics when they're portraying someone i also feel like Tom Cruise doing uh, 16 hour shifts with two different crews to learn how to fly a helicopter in six <laughs> weeks is also a form of acting that should be commended. Jumping um, out of literally like five story windows and breaking his ankle and shutting down production for like a month. Do, doing hundreds of halo jumps to practice it and figuring out how they get the camera to record that in such a way that it's actually appealing to watch. Like there's so much about this movie that just blows my fucking mind. Yeah, he's a goddamn <laughs> psychopath, man. <laughs> yeah and he'll probably die making one of these movies um that being said cannot wait for top Gun yeah. <laughs> no it's funny you, you were mentioning like the achievement in film uh, i think in a way our two lists kind of highlight what like the two different ways that you can look at a film and what you really want from a film while you know i had the romas and the bill streets on here and like the smaller movies and you i think you highlighted more artistic films films that were more achievements in terms of style and and the choices that they made. Uh, I was going like strictly for pleasure. Like, what did I come away with the most? And mm-hmm, I right. think that just speaks to how there's two two very different types of moviegoers. So, hammer your point home. Uh, we're on to number two. Number two for me is Roma. Roma. Again, check out what I just said. Watch and the I, review. What's your I number had a two? Star is born. So we're on to number one. All right, number one for me 
is Burning. Yeah. Burning is a South Korean film. It'll be nominated for Best uh, Foreign Film. Great year for foreign films, by the way. I haven't seen them all, but Burning, Shoplifters, Cold War, Roma. Uh, great year for that. But Burning, this movie, when I was done watching this movie, this shit just blew my fucking mind, man. Like, I immediately texted the one person I knew who had already seen it, and we just talked about this movie for 20 minutes. And I was like, and no pun intended, the movie is a slow burn. It's it's over two and a half, it's like two and a half hours, two hours, 20 minutes, and it's very deliberate, very uh, measured in how it tells the story. And it's based off of a uh, uh, Murakami short story, uh, and obviously expanded. But uh, the lead actor is named uh, Yu Ha In, South Korean, and then he, he's, he's the protagonist. And you don't understand uh, everything you're watching in this movie uh, at first. And the way they, they, this movie is shot and, and structured by uh, the director Lee Chandong, you start to question what you think you know from the past hour you watched as you watch this movie. And it's in such an expert way that you can't help but just be in awe of how, how they pull it off. And then the breakout, the star of the film is Stephen Yeun, who we know as Glenn from The Walking Dead. And I never thought I would have two Stephen Yeun movies on my list, but he was also good and sorry to bother you. Um, and he's really killing it right now because he was in Oakja last year, so I'm really happy for him. But he uh, comes into this movie after um, uh, the lead's character's uh, friend comes back from abroad, and he just comes in. He's such an enigma, such a cipher. And the way you learn about his character in the movie, again, I don't want to really spoil anything because I know a lot of people haven't seen it. It's made less than a million dollars in the U.S. Not, no one saw it, right? Um, and it's also in Korean subtitles, right? So it's you got to commit to this. But I saw it in the theater, and I'm so happy I did because the movie just wraps you in. And like I said, it just blew my mind by the end. I think the ending, once you understand what everything means, it's, again, you just can't help but be in awe of what it does. So I... Uh, really want to stand for this movie i want everyone to see this because i think it's you know a lot of people like oh, foreign films i already saw rome i don't need to watch another one of these fucking watch burning <laughs> burning is crazy yeah you, two foreign films on your list but burning is one that uh, is very high up on my list of films i want to see fortunately i haven't gotten a chance to, to catch it yet i'm hoping it comes to like a streaming service pretty soon but i'm not sure if that's in the cards um yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to think about how Burning could win Best Foreign Film and Roma could potentially win Best Picture. Like, it, it's a real possibility. Right. It could be an interesting story to talk about after the fact. My number one, um, the documentary, Minding the Gap. Uh, I didn't catch it in theaters. I watched it on Hulu a couple, about a, a month and a half ago. And, um, yeah, this film, I, I went into it thinking this is like another skateboard movie. And... It kind of is, but really it's this like social commentary on um, the socio-political, economical uh, landscape of the late 90s, early 2000s, and how that uh, impacted the people of those times, how it impacted the lower to middle class, and um, how that has now created these the systemic domestic violence. Um, and uh, Bing Liu, who's one of you know, part of this skateboard crew that he started off just wanting to make montages and uh, found right. a really deep and uh, moving story within all of this. Um, it, he tells the story not only of his own experience with domestic violence but at the hands of his stepfather, and he even interviews his mother at one point and talks about 
you know, like what that experience was like for her. And that's a pretty difficult moment to watch in the film. But his uh, his friends, Kiev and Zach, he really highlights how um, they were affected by this uh, Kiev, by his mother's uh, patterns of jumping into these domestically violent relationships. And then Zach developing his own patterns of domestic violence. And, uh, you know, it they're there's a stretch of this film, especially when uh, Zach is having this like long, like inner inner monologue put, you know, put onto the screen and uh, it's just really gripping and moving. And uh, I found myself like sitting there just with tears in my eyes uh, as I was, I found this film to be so much more than I originally anticipated. And uh, it's one of the only films I found myself this year telling everybody to go see and especially now that it's on Hulu, mm-hmm. it's very accessible. But I think just it's so meaningful. And if if you want to go in thinking it's a skateboard movie and just come out, you know, with with a different pill that you swallowed, that's fine. Um, but there's just it's really an achievement, and it's it's the best movie going experience I had this year by far. Yeah, uh, crazy big year for documentaries, as we mentioned on our trends episode last week, but. I like documentaries. I've always liked documentaries. I like learning, but I've never really sought out like theatrical documentaries when they come out. You know, I always focus on features, but this is this year really changed that for me. And I actually haven't seen Mind the Gap yet. I'm looking forward to. Obviously, I know all the acclaim, but I also want to give like free solo a watch. I want to watch. Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? You know, I don't usually feel that way about a lot of theatrical docs. So crazy, crazy year for yeah, me. and it's a great year for movies in general. Uh, we mentioned a couple that didn't make our list. Are there any that you want to shout out um, as honorable mentions or just general? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, things we haven't talked about. My number eleven is Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Twelve. Um, yeah, I had that really high uh, for a lot of the you know right after I saw it, and uh, still really like the film. Um, and it'll be in the in the wars convo, so a lot of people talk about that. Uh, Isle of Dogs, another movie that mm-hmm. I had high when I first saw it. Um, just kind of slowly pegged down as I saw the stuff, but you know, uh, watch that review we did. I love still love Wes Anderson. It's good Wes Anderson. Um, Death of yeah. Stalin. Uh, I mentioned that earlier in the year. Uh, shit's fucking hilarious. <laughs> at the end of the day, um, <laughs> Private Life. Uh, just recently saw it. It's on Netflix. Really good. Uh, I encourage everyone to see that. You just watched yeah. it as well. I think Private Life is very well done and in terms of portraying uh midlife fertility issues mm-hmm. with a couple it's it's it, it's really smart uh and uh, also has a lot of funny moments i thought the movie was, was wonderful um also really like thoroughbreds i thought thoroughbreds mm. took some cool chances uh, i really liked um Annie taylor joy and olivia cook in that uh let's see and then lastly i just wanted to also shout out uh, about buster scruggs mid-90s you were never really here, which we read mm-hmm. in the year. Tully, uh, beautiful boy. I really like Chalamet's performance. Gemini, which I mentioned, and lastly, A Prayer Before Dawn, which is on Prime right now. That's a movie starring Joe Cole, who you everyone probably recognizes from Peaky Blinders or uh, Hang the DJ, the Black Mirror episode, and that's about a uh, English man who gets a re- uh, put into uh, prison in Bangkok and has to. Uh, do Muay Thai fights to survive basically and it's a very tough watch and it's really gripping but 
watching that after you watch Creed two, I think is a is a cool <laughs> idea. They're cool, compa- nice companion film. So check that movie out. Not another movie that uh, a lot of people didn't really see. I don't think A twenty four really pushed it much in the theaters, but it's already on Prime. So give that a watch. Also, lastly, I noticed that my top ten list right now, every movie I saw is from a different distributor. Burning is CGV Art House. Roma's Netflix. First Performance A24. Sorry to Bother's Annapurna. First Man's Universal. Annihilation in the U.S. is Paramount. Skate Kitchen is Magnolia. Widows is 20th Century Fox. Stars Born is Warner Brothers. And the favorite is Fox Searchlight. So I don't know. I thought that was something that I totally didn't plan, <laughs> but actually it was weird that I saw have movies from everywhere on this. Um, again, if I put Beale Street on there, that's two Annapurnas, but cool observation. There's a lot of great stories being told. I think I mentioned yesterday I saw close to 60 movies this year in and out of the theater. Um, and you know, we mentioned most of the ones I wanted to get to. We talked about vice. I, I still think that's a film worthy of being in the, in the discussion, um, and wildlife also, uh, shout out Carrie Mulligan for yep. hell of a, hell of a performance in that. Um, and check out all the reviews on these. So you should subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, and also go to, uh, soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and follow us everywhere. You can listen to your pods. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking Beale Street, which we already mentioned, possibly Aquaman or Mary Poppins, depending on uh, which one I'm, I'm able to get to, or maybe both. We'll see. Uh, anything else that we're going to be talking about next week, Dave? Uh, so it's nothing like really new on our radar right now, so it'll just be things we're catching up on, perhaps 21 Savage, perhaps Bad Bunny. And um, things we're looking forward we'll, to. We'll find some stuff, don't worry. Yes. I already have a list of people I expect to make music this year, so we can always talk about Sounds that. Sounds good. Catch us next week. Happy New Year again. Peace out. Yeah.